The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks, episode number 23. Today's Sunday, November 20th. As always, my name is Bill. I'll be solo on this one today. Jeff the Animal Wilson wasn't able to tune in and no other guests lined up. So I'm going to have to go with this one alone. Hope you guys don't mind. Uh, wow, what a jam-packed weekend of fight action it was. Uh, hats off to you if you were able to watch everything that was out there because it was a lot. It was hours upon hours of violence. Uh, you know, we had Invicta FC 20 on Friday night, UFC Fight Nights 99 and 100 last night, Saturday night, as well as Bellator 165. Interesting that Bellator was actually hosting an event uh, in competition with the UFC. They haven't done that in a while. Sergey Kovalov uh, tried to defend his uh, light heavyweight championship to Andre Ward in boxing. So there's a lot going on. And um, holiday week as well, Thanksgiving coming up. Hope everybody's getting some time off and, and getting to spend some time with their families and things like that. So to go along with Thanksgiving and the festivities of the holidays, I've got a uh, hot rum apple cider recipe I want to share with you guys. So I'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Uh, I, I want to start with Invicta because there was there were some uh, big title defenses there. The um, bantamweight title changed hands. Longtime uh, bantamweight champion Tanya Evinger snapped a nine-fight win streak against Yana Kunitskaya, who armbarred her uh, to take her bantamweight title away. Uh, so that was definitely a big deal at Invicta. Uh, one title that did not change hands was the strawweight title. Ultimate Fighter alumni Angela Hill was able to hang on and uh, gain a victory over Kayleen Medeiros to keep her title there. So an exciting night of fights there. There was uh, quite, quite a number of submissions on that card. Definitely exciting. So great way to kick off the weekend if you were able to catch Invicta, if you stayed in on Friday night. Uh, they always put on great shows, and I feel like their their production quality is definitely increasing. And now that they're ever since they, especially since they've been a, a part of UFC Fight Pass, I feel like their production value has gotten exponentially better. So then, kind of an odd occurrence, we had a fight night that wasn't really night for us. I know I'm on the East Coast here in the United States and Florida. So this card, the uh, UFC Fight Night 99 aired, I think the prelims started at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, main card started around 4 in the afternoon uh, because it was being hosted in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And uh, it was headlined by Gegard Mousasi and Uriah Hall, and this was a rematch actually from UFC Fight Night 75, I believe, which took place at the Saitama Arena in Japan. I was actually there live for the initial fight between these two, and it was amazing. It has to be one of the all-time greatest comebacks because Uriah Hall 
took an absolute beating in the first round. Gegard Mousasi was beating him standing up. He took him down. He ground and pounded him the entire first round. It looked like he wouldn't bounce back from it. it. You know, some people even thought, you know, this guy might not even get off the stool. He comes out in the second round and wheel kicks Musasi in the head with one of the most spectacular knockouts ever to accompany one of the most amazing comebacks uh, I've ever seen. Forget about in person, one of the most amazing comebacks I've ever seen. So this time Musasi was determined to get revenge. And you know what? I got to give a lot of credit for Gegard Musasi for taking this fight because Uriah Hall is not necessarily a high-ranked contender, whereas Musasi is, is right in the title picture. So to take a step back, uh, just to avenge a loss, you have to admire you know, his integrity there because he even said, this is not about getting closer to a title. I know this fight doesn't do anything for me as a contender for the championship. This is for me. I want to get back this loss. I want to prove that I'm a better fighter. And uh, he kind of did that yesterday in Ireland. So he didn't let Uriah Hall get out of that first round this time. He didn't want a chance, uh, another wheel kick uh, from Uriah coming off the stool in that second round. So he TKO'd him right at the end of the first round. Really a great fight. Um, and before that, we had some kind of obscure judging. There was a fight between uh, UFC veteran Ross Pearson and fairly newcomer Stevie Ray, who's a Scottish fighter. And Stevie Ray won the split decision. Here's what I didn't like about the judging. And they really need to get on the same page here or really vet these judges a little bit better. I don't know what's going on. So it was a split decision. Okay, no big deal. It happens all the time. Judges don't always see eye to eye. What I found to be a problem with it was that two judges scored the fight 30-27 to for Stevie Ray. And one judge scored it 30-27 to for Ross Pearson. Okay, Usually, when you have a split decision, it's because one guy clearly won a round, the other guy clearly won a round, and, you know, the, the third round in question isn't so clear. You know, maybe one guy landed more shots, the other guy did more damage, and uh, who knows. But you never really have judges that are so far apart, where one judge thinks that one guy won all three rounds, and the other two judges think that the other guy won all three rounds. So I'm curious to hear how you guys scored this one. So Stevie Ray coming away with the with the victory over a, a very tough and very game opponent in Ross Pearson, who is always dangerous. Yeah, so a big win for him, but y- you know you, you kind of got to scratch your head at that judging there. Another fight I'll touch on here. Uh, another Ultimate Fighter alumni, Artem Lobov, who I'm sure a lot of you know, teammates with notorious Conor McGregor, taking on Teruto Ishihara. Now, if you don't know him by name, this is a Japanese fighter. He's very young, very brash. Um, he's got a flashy fighting style, and he's most famous for talking about getting bitches. Um, <laughs> every time this guy talks in an interview, he basically considers himself like a rock star. And, you know, he's a young guy, and he, he's got a big ego. He's got a lot of fight skills. But he's very clear about the fact that he is in this for the girls. And the way he puts it, now these are his words, not mine. Uh, of course, I would never refer to women in such a manner, but he's, he's out there to, to get the bitches. Um, I don't know how many bitches he got after uh, losing a unanimous decision to Artem Lobov. Uh, Artem is known as a power puncher. He's a guy who can, he 
put away pretty much anybody in that division with one shot. That's what we saw him do all the way through the Ultimate Fighter until the finale where, you know, he had no answer for the jiu-jitsu control of Ryan Hall, who subsequently won the Ultimate Fighter. But uh, Lobov doing a, doing a good job in getting the nod over Ishihara. Ishihara is kind of a counter-striker, and uh, he can be very explosive. But, you know, guess who, ha- who Artem has in his corner and in his training camp? Um, you know, one of the best explosive counter-strikers in the game, uh, lightweight and featherweight champion, Conor McGregor, who actually was in attendance, uh, you know, the, since the fight did take place in Ireland. Uh, Conor came out to support Artem and, uh, and to watch the rest of the card. So uh, I'm sure the Irish fans really appreciated that. Other than that, looking up and down this card... Uh, nothing that's really going to shake up the rankings too much. Um, but, you know, some, some definitely solid fights. This was, this was a great card. Um, Kevin Lee with a big submission in the second round in his fight. And, yeah, pretty much all we're going to touch on there. So I'll move on to UFC Fight Night 100. Now, normally, I would get into the Bellator card first but in honor of, of saving the best for last because I, I do believe that was the best card uh, I'm going to get into the UFC Fight Night 100 so this took place in Sao Paulo Brazil I'm not sure exactly why they decided to do uh, two events in one day it seems like it seems like a lot I'd be interesting to see how the ratings did uh, it seems to me like what they're trying to do is is really expand worldwide so I don't think the goal is to get everybody to watch every card. In my estimation, the goal is to get people in certain regions to start watching any card. Um, But again, hats off to you if you were able to catch everything this weekend. I definitely didn't have time to watch everything. I had to kind of take the cliff notes for the sake of the show. But So I was watching this card simultaneously with the Bellator card. I had Bellator on TV, and I had uh, Fight Night sao paulo on my laptop so for those of you who are following on twitter you might have seen the picture i posted of the uh, laptop next to the tv and depending what was going on in either fight i would turn the volume down on one and raise it on the other uh and, and towards the end i kept the volume up on the bellator card because i just found it to be more exciting but you know there were some pretty decent there were some pretty decent scraps on the UFC card, so we'll touch on that first. Now, the main event, Ryan Bader versus Little Nog, Rogerio Nogueira. Uh, man, Bader TKO'd him. I don't really know what else to say about it. Uh, it seems almost like a step down for Bader, uh, coming off a huge win over Alir Latifi uh, in September where he KO'd him with a devastating knee in the, in the second round uh, in Germany. Now, I, I'm not even sure where Noguera is ranked at this point. He's 40 years old. Uh, it seemed like Pater had a tough time with him. I mean, obviously, Noguera is a veteran. He's very wily. He's, he's hard to put away. Uh, and Pater was able to finally do it in a, towards the end of the third round. But I, I don't really know what this does for Ryan Bader, and I don't really know what the UFC does with him from here. So this was also the last fight on Ryan Bader's contract. He chose not to re-up, which means basically what the UFC tries to do is they try to get guys to sign a contract before they fight the last fight 
on their current contract. The reason behind this is fighters will often want security because they think if they lose their next fight, they may not be as valuable. So if they sign a contract before they actually fight in their last fight, uh, they'll get better value. Now what you're starting to see guys do is finish out their contracts and then play the field. Obviously Bellator is, is signing a lot of fighters and they're signing them for, for big money. And that's what they did with Roy McDonald, uh, Chael Sonnen after he came off of his suspension we've talked about, uh, wound up signing with Bellator. And actually a huge pickup for them was they recently signed uh, Colleen Schneider, who had been fighting under the Invicta banner. Uh, and they, they picked her up, to, which is great, because she was fighting as bantamweight in Invicta, and she fought for the title there against Tanya Evinger. Uh, I'm excited to see her over in Bellator and see what she can do with the competition there. I'm excited to see her fighting at 125. Anyway, back to Ryan Bader. So I, I don't really know what you do with Bader at this point. Uh, a lot of people thought that maybe he would fight Alexander Gustafsson. He's injured. Uh, it seems like it seems like Bader's not going anywhere. I don't I don't think he may talk to Bellator, but I, I think he's going to end up taking whatever uh, the UFC puts on the table. He's a company guy, you know, Ultimate Fighter alumni. I I think he's going to finish his career with the UFC, but uh, I don't know what you really do with him right now. Uh, my guess is is maybe you do Ryan Bader versus Jimmy Manoa. I don't think you can justify a title shot for Bader, especially with the way that he lost to Anthony Johnson, who's fighting for the title uh, next month. So we'll see what they do with him there. Uh, we'll see if they end up signing him, which uh, I pretty much am positive that they will. And you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So a really exciting fight was uh, Thomas Almeida and uh, Albert Morales, which was the co-main event. So I was actually more excited for this fight than I was for the main event. And Thomas Almeida, the, the question would be how he would bounce back from the knockout he was handed by Cody Garbrandt, who's going to be fighting for the bantamweight title coming up. And uh, he did awesome. He bounced back really well. He TKO'd Morales in the second round. Uh, his striking looked really crisp. His footwork is great as always. So Thomas Almeida bouncing back with the victory. Great to see from him. Uh, someone else who's bouncing back is Claudia Gedalia. Uh, she won a unanimous decision against Courtney Casey, who's a very tough competitor, but this is another one of those fights where I was kind of scratching my head. I don't know why Claudia would have taken this fight. She just fought for the championship. Courtney Casey's not ranked anywhere in the top 10. Maybe she just wanted a fight in her home country, Brazil. The opportunity came up and she took it. So definitely a game competitor, but uh, she's still you know, up there, maybe the number one contender in that women's strawweight division after she just fought a really tough fight with the champion, Ioana Janjacek. And some people would even argue that uh, Gedalia won that fight, but unfortunately for her, she didn't, and it was her second loss to Ioana. So, you know, uh, unless Ioana loses that title, I guess she's not going to be fighting for the championship anytime soon. But I think Gedalia got some criticism for this fight. I thought... She had some beautifully timed takedowns in this fight. I was really impressed with the way she was able to time her wrestling. And I know she's always had great wrestling skills, but she really put on a wrestling clinic against Courtney Casey. Wasn't able to finish her, but I thought she looked good. Uh, the fight right before that, uh, Polish fighter Krzysztof Jocko. This guy 
was really impressive. Fought Talis Latis. Now, Jocko is known more as a striker, and he he's coming in against Talis Latis, who's you know the wily veteran. Uh, he's been back and forth with the UFC. He's been you know pretty consistent lately. They they cut him a couple of fights back, and then he came made a comeback, and you know hot and cold. But Kristoff uh, looking phenomenal. You would think that he would try and stand with Talis Latis, and that Latis would try and close the distance and take it to the ground, which he did do. But eventually, Jocko was taking Talis Latis down and showing that he could control him on top, and that's what he did. And he and he, uh, you know, he grinded out the unanimous decision there. So congratulations to him. Very exciting fighter. Uh, a lot of great fighters coming out of Poland lately. Uh, obviously. You know, women's strawweight champion, Ioana Janjacek. We got um, Martin Held, who, who lost his UFC debut to Diego Sanchez, but I thought he looked great. Uh, so a lot of really awesome fighters coming out of Poland. Uh, the fight before that, Kamaru Usman, ultimate fighter, another ultimate fighter, alumni and winner, fought uh, Warley Alves, and he wore him out. Uh, he Kamaru put on some pretty decent striking towards the you know, end of the third round when Warley was kind of hurt, but for the most part, it was what you would expect from Kamaro. He used his wrestling and uh, was grinding out a victory, holding his opponent up against the cage, taking him down periodically, although he struggled at times. So he got the unanimous decision, and then he went and called out Damian Maya, who was actually there in attendance. And Kamaro, I don't think, is ranked... Uh, anywhere in the top 15 and obviously Damian Maya is waiting in the wings for a title shot so I thought it was a smart move by Kamaro calling out Damian Maya because you know what do you have to lose but I don't think he's even playing the same game as Damian Maya at this point and I think Damian kind of laughed it off he he'd sent out a note on Twitter and he said you know congratulations on your performance I'm sure you have a bright future but basically you know, fuck off, kid. You're not ready for the big show yet. And, you know, Damian Maia is a guy who's, who's been around for so long. He's definitely earned his title shot, which may or may not happen. Obviously, there was the big controversial draw at UFC 205 in New York between welterweight champion Tyron Woodley and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. A lot of people think Thompson should have won the fight. A lot of people think Woodley should have won the fight. Um, I scored it as a draw. I think a lot of other people scored it as a draw. The judges wound up with a majority draw. So we'll see if they do that again. We'll see if, unfortunately for Damian Maia, there's a lot of people who could cut him in line. You know, if George St. Pierre decides to miraculously out of the blue come back, he's going to cut the line and get a title shot. If Conor McGregor decides he's going to move up to 170 and try to collect a third belt, he's going to cut the line and get a title shot. If Dana White decides that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson should get a rematch since the last fight was a draw, he's going to cut the line and get a title shot. So a lot of these things leave Damian Maya waiting in the wings. The last thing I'll mention from this card um, was on the undercard, Johnny Eduardo TKO'd Manny Gamburian in the second round. And usually both fighters don't get interviewed on the undercard. Only the winning fighter will get interviewed. But John Anik did interview Manny Gamburian because he said he had an announcement, and he actually announced his retirement. So, you know, Manny Gamburian is a really tough competitor. I mean, he's fought the best of the best. He's fought as high as 155. 
I uh, believe that's what he fought at when he was on The Ultimate Fighter, Season 5, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, judo competitor, super, super tough. Uh, always put on exciting fights, in my opinion. So it's sad to see him go, but uh, after suffering a couple of knockout losses, you can really understand that he wants to take care of his health and make sure that you know he's, he's able to provide for his family in some other way. And, um, yeah, sad to see Manny Gambarian go, but, but definitely happy to see that he's, he's thinking about his health and thinking about his future and thinking about his family. So all the best to Manny Gambarian, whatever he decides to pursue from here on out. Um, that's all I'll really touch on for the, the, uh, Sao Paulo card. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I was watching Bellator 165 simultaneously, and uh, this card was was pretty awesome. They they did the usual Bellator theatrics, and you know they got the lights and the bells and whistles, and they try to bring out all their biggest stars. They they make sure they're always in attendance. Chael Sonnen was was doing some uh, commentary, which I think he's great at. I think he's a, an awesome analyst. I think he's He's really excellent at breaking down the sport. I think he has a good eye for it, and I, I enjoy listening to his podcast as well. If you if you haven't heard it, it's your welcome, uh, you know, on iTunes. It's actually called Your Welcome. I'm not saying you're welcome for telling you about it, but that's his podcast on iTunes and everywhere else. So the main event of this uh, Bellator event was the lightweight champion Michael Chandler. And he was challenged by former UFC and former WEC lightweight champion Benson Henderson. Now, Benson Henderson has been kind of hot and cold in his career. Uh, when he decided to walk away from the UFC and and join Bellator, the, the UFC didn't really put up much of a fight. They said, okay, see you later. Um, he had kind of a lackluster debut uh, when he fought uh Patricky Pitbull, and it ended in a bizarre injury uh, in the second round. But in any case, Ben Henderson was given the title shot against the champion Michael Chandler. Uh, this was an awesome fight. Now, this was another fight with some weird judging um, because it, it was a split decision. I, I didn't really see it as that close. I thought Michael Chandler clearly won the fight. I think he won three out of the five rounds. And I think he definitely won uh, the first round by a score of 10-8 uh, because he almost finished Ben Henderson a couple of times in the first round. Uh, he almost knocked him unconscious. Uh, luckily, the referee realized that Ben Henderson is a tough competitor and he didn't stop the fight. And then, uh, you know, Ben got caught in a couple of tight submissions as well. So Michael Chandler not able to finish Ben Henderson, but... And Ben Henderson is always involved in these controversial split decisions. And a lot of that is due to the fact that he is so tough. Uh, maybe too tough for his own good because he has taken some serious, serious beatings in fights. And the guy just keeps coming back for more. I mean, he's, he's nearly impossible to finish. Uh, very rarely finished throughout his career. He's had a long career. He's been in a lot of battles, but... You know, he comes back, and he he very clearly won the fifth round of the fight. Chandler was gassed. He had nothing left in the tank in the fifth round. And Ben Henderson, you know, looked fresh like nothing had even happened, which is amazing considering the beating he took in the first round. But uh, I thought this was a very clear-cut victory for Chandler. 
and um, it, it was an awesome fight. Very back and forth. It, it was amazing that Ben Henderson was able to come back the way he did several times, and you know maybe they'll do it again, but I think likely not. At the end of the fight, uh, Michael Chandler was calling out Josh Thompson, who I think is still one of the top lightweights in the world. Uh, not that many losses on his record. I think it would be an amazing fight to see Josh Thompson, Michael Chandler fight. So there's that on the horizon, hopefully. Although, you know, it's been kind of up in the air whether Josh Thompson is fighting now or not. Uh, I didn't really know it was an issue. I didn't, I hadn't really thought about it. But, you know, when Chandler called him out, he kind of said it like, hey, you know, if you're ever going to get back in here, we should do this. And he, he called him out. So in that way. So I guess Josh Thompson is a, a bucket list thing for Michael Chandler. I don't, I don't really know. Uh, the co-main event was billed to be one of the more exciting fights. And it has to be, I don't want to be too dramatic, but it has to be one of the worst fights I've ever seen. And I, I know I was saying earlier that the Bellator card was was much better than the Fight Night 100 from the UFC. And I stand by that with the exception of this fight. And it was Michael Venom Page against Fernando Gonzalez. Now, Michael Venom Page, for those of you who don't know or don't follow Bellator, I'm sure all of you have seen the highlight of uh, Chris Cyborg getting kneed in the face and getting his skull caved in. Well, the person who kneed him in the face was Michael Venom Page. Now, this guy is very flashy. He always comes out dancing to the ring, and he's always got a different gimmick he's got like last time he was wearing a pokemon suit uh, I, I don't know he's he's a very strange guy very eccentric uh, british fighter but very talented very explosive he's got a lot of power so he's coming off crushing a guy's skull and caving his face in basically hopefully ending his career i i know cyborg wants to fight again but i really would not like to see him get back in there for his own health and safety but that's neither here nor there so Michael Page dancing around and being flashy, but not really landing anything. And you kind of have to hold both guys accountable because Fernando Gonzalez didn't do a thing in the entire fight. He basically just walked around the cage and watched Michael Page dance in front of him. And it was just fucking terrible. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no nice way to put it. This is a god-awful fight. Um, it, it's really disappointing for Bellator because this is a guy that they could build up as a superstar and in this particular fight you know on a stage where they're competing with UFC you know there, there may have there may have been some people who were flipping back and forth and um, I'm sure they lost a lot of viewers during this fight because it was just it was just terrible um, but you know Michael Page does still have a bright future I believe he's very charismatic he he cuts great promos when he wins fights and uh, the, the only problem with him is he hasn't been in there against any real tough competition yet. So if you're going to give this guy to somebody like a Roy McDonald or something like that, he's, you know, he's got to be able to pull the trigger a little bit more. He's got to be a little bit more aggressive and he's got to use the tools that he has uh, to perform at a high level. If you're really going to promote this guy like he's a superstar uh, which he definitely could be. I mean, he's a very skilled fighter, and he's he has the personality, so you could definitely put him up there on that on that pedestal and shine the light on him. But 
you know, he's going to have to deliver. And I don't know if maybe the pressure is getting too great. Maybe he's got too many eyes on him. It's it's too difficult to live up to the hype that he's established for himself. Uh, whatever the case, uh, I am interested in seeing him fight again, but not as interested anymore because of the way he fought against Fernando Gonzalez. Uh, hopefully there was some kind of fluke incident, like he was struggling with an injury something i don't know um a, a fight that was really great uh adam piccolotti undefeated young fighter uh facing uh brandon gertz and um gertz i feel like they were they were kind of feeding him to the young lion here but um wow i mean what a what a fight and and piccolotti was actually he's a high level jiu-jitsu fighter uh known for his submission game and uh, Gertz is a wrestler, and Piccolotti was able to take Gertz down, which was a big deal because Gertz had never been taken down before in his Bellator career. Uh, so this was a really back-and-forth fight. <clears throat> I thought uh, Piccolotti won clearly, and uh, the judges agreed <laughs> for a change, so he won the unanimous decision there. The highlight of this entire card, uh, besides the main event, which was awesome, I think was the MMA debut of Carrie Ann Taylor Melendez. For those of you who don't know, she's the wife of MMA superstar Gilbert Melendez. And Bellator wanted to really make sure that you knew that. <laughs> because every chance they got, they were mentioning Gilbert. They brought him into the cage after she won. Oh, she won her fight, by the way. It was a knockout in the first round. I'll get to that in a second. They had uh, Gilbert sitting in on her promos when they were doing promos to hype the fight. Uh, this girl does not need anybody uh, attached to her name to promote her she is an outstanding striker and uh, she's got a lot of kickboxing experience she fought in glory many times for those of you who don't know glory is the uh, kickboxing organization very very exciting and her striking is so good the way she throws her right straight she gets so much extension on it and it, it's just really beautiful to watch and that's what she landed on her opponent uh, Shella Padilla Padilla, uh, I'm not really sure how to pronounce her name there, but uh, Carrie, Carrie Taylor Melendez, awesome. She, I mean, she she put her opponent away in the first 40 seconds of her fight, and uh, she she's fighting at 125 there. So you know, there, there's a lot of interesting fights for her at, at flyweight, and I'm really excited to see her fight again. I, I'm tuning in the next time she fights. I, I don't care who she's married to. Uh, she doesn't need anybody else's name to promote her. Her work stands for herself. If you only go back to watch one of these Bellator fights, like if you haven't watched the card and you're just listening to me talk about it and you want to check it out, watch that fight uh, because it only takes 40 seconds of your time. If you want to watch the, the main event, then you know obviously that's going to take 25 minutes of your time and it's worth it. It's an awesome fight. But you know if you just want to see a little taste of what the Bellator 165 was all about, Go watch uh, Carrie Ann's MMA debut there. Okay, so the other thing that happened on Saturday was Sergei Kovalev uh, fought Andre Ward in boxing. From what I understand, both of these guys were undefeated going into this. Kovalev was the light heavyweight champion of, with like three belts, I believe. And he lost them to Andre Ward in a very controversial decision. A lot of people really upset about this i didn't watch the fight uh, i don't really have any desire to but i'm just letting you guys know uh, in case you hadn't heard about it um 
But if you wanna you wanna let me know what you thought about it and you watched it, uh, you know, send me a message on Twitter or something like that. Uh, but a lot of people were upset that that Kovalev lost. It seemed like he he kind of beat Ward up, and the the judges gave it to Ward, which is very unusual for boxing because historically in boxing to to beat the champion you have to beat them convincingly if it's anywhere on the fence uh it, it's usually the the champion retains their title and that's that's just the way it's always been so curious to see that you know ward was able to come away with a controversial decision uh, i'm sure they'll probably do it again I, I might be interested in watching the rematch if you know it comes up on a weekend where there's not 12 MMA cards. Um, in any case, Thanksgiving coming up this week. So like I said, hope everybody gets some time off to hang out with their families. So I'm going to share with you something that I enjoy making uh, as a beverage around Thanksgiving time. Something that really just tastes like the holidays to me. And that's um, a hot rum cider. So I take a spiced rum. And this year, I decided to go with a local rum that I found. It's uh, Old St. Pete, Righteous Rum and Spice. So it comes from St. Petersburg, Florida, and there's actually a distillery pretty close to where I live here in Florida. Uh, and this is an excellent rum. I, I picked it up just because it was local, and you know I, I sampled it a little bit, and it's really going to be awesome in the rum cider. It's got some vanilla notes. It's got some cinnamon, a little bit of orange. Even a little bit of smokiness, which uh, of course I love because you know I'm really into smoky whiskeys. I, I usually don't go so much for rum, but you know a nice spice rum is is good every now and then on occasion. So, and uh, this this particular rum even has like a honey aftertaste. It, it's really nice. So I, I tried a little bit of on the rocks, of course. But uh, the rum cider recipe it's super simple. So you can do it hot or you can make it and then chill it and do it over ice you know like i always say however you want to drink it drink it but this is a a fun kind of recipe that's good for the family you know the, the grandparents can drink it and you know it's better than just throwing some bottles of wine on the table you can do it before thanksgiving dinner while you're watching football or you can do it afterwards like as a dessert thing but so this is what you do you put some apple cider in a in a saucepan or a or a pot on the stove and you start to warm it up just kind of let it simmer i'm not going to give you measurements because i don't really use any I, I mean i try to do two to one with the cider and the rum so you put some cider you put some rum and start warming it up then what i do is i slice some oranges up and you just slice them to to make some some round flat slices and then i take some whole cloves and you stick the cloves right in the orange slices, and you just toss those in and uh, let it simmer in the in the rum cider mixture. Kind of give it a light stir, kind of splash the oranges a little bit with the rum and the apple cider. The apple cider is up to you. I mean, whatever you usually buy, you don't have to go get anything fancy from from like a farm or, or an apple orchard or anything like that or, or make it your own. If you do, great, you know, throw some rum in there by all means. Um, but just some apple cider from the supermarket will do. And then, uh, you know, throw a couple of whole cinnamon sticks in there. Let it simmer for, you know, 10 minutes. And then uh, you can either serve it hot or make it in the morning and then put it in a container, 
let it sit in the fridge, maybe even let it brew a little more with the orange slices and the cinnamon, but scoop all that stuff out of there before you serve it, and then, uh, you know, in a coffee mug or, or over ice, ha however you prefer, but uh, awesome holiday drink, the, that's what I'm going to be sipping on uh, Thursday for sure, before I get down with some turkey. Uh, in any case, that's all I got for this week, so thanks for tuning in. If you have any opinions about anything I've said or you want to let me know something I missed or you want to let me know that you're digging the show, then reach out to me on social media by all means. Don't be shy. At MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can go to MMAontherocks.com. And if you are digging the show, please, uh, wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or any overcast anything like that please uh leave a review leave some feedback so let me know uh, i definitely appreciate uh hearing from everybody and that's all i got cheers everybody and happy thanksgiving goodbye <laughs>